Jude, starting there in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, uh, for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel. When contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I... Pray that you'll pour your spirit upon us this evening, enlighten our eyes to give us understanding that we may increase and grow in knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, give us wisdom here as we study these three verses, 8, 9, and 10, and really see the characteristics, the nature of these apostates who had crept in unaware. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom as we study your word. Thank you thus far from the time we've been able to spend in it. Lord, be with those who have offered up requests beforehand, those who are sick, Lord, those who have surgeries coming, those who are in the hospital, those who are heading into the hospital. Lord, we trust all in your hands, the great physician, in your name, Lord, not in ours because we cannot Approach the throne room of grace in our name, sinful as we are, but in your name, in you all our righteousness is found. In your name, Lord, we offer up these requests. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to focus this evening on these three verses, 8, 9, and 10, with this thought, likewise, these filthy dreamers. Again, in verse number 8, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know, naturally, as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt 
themselves. We last week came to a close as Jude further explained the three examples that he put before us of these apostates that were written before of old in the Old Testament. The first one he offered up to us was that of the children of Israel, that these beloved people he loved for so much, he cared for so much, that he delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And yet even though he delivered them out of the land of Egypt, with this love, compassion, compassion, and took them across the Red Sea and defeated their enemies. Those same people, when they became apostates, when they turned away from the Lord God, they also met destruction. He offered us to a secondly there another example. These angels who left their first estate, who left their first habitation, and in the end of this, when they became apostates, they also immediately met God's judgment. Even furthermore, it was offered up to us as the third example, that of Sodom and Gomorrah, who went after strange flesh. They went against what was nature, against nature. And the Lord again brought down judgment upon them. And so now Jude, he gives us these examples of how God is handled, how the Lord has handled apostates up to this point. And here in this verse, he brings us back and he says, likewise also these filthy dreamers. Who, who is this again? Is he still speaking of, of verses 6, 7, and 8? No, this, this right here in verse number 8 when he says, likewise also these filthy dreamers, Jude is taking us back to verse number 4. These, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old, ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Likewise, these filthy dreamers, these men that we have read about in verse number four, these men who have crept in unawares, he said they are filthy dreamers. It's troubling, yet we also recognize that in our nation, we every year spend billions of dollars trying to protect this nation. Why? Because in this, uh, September 11th in 2001, our nation learned what a valuable lesson of the reality of when people creep into this nation unaware and the destruction that they can bring. Jude brings to this reality the destructive nature of these terrorists within the church. That's what they are. They come in unaware. They don't come in speaking immediately against the Lord God. And here, even in verse number 8 and 9, we're brought to a greater understanding of how these apostates have assumed authority in the church and how they function in the church and really it brings to a light about how the apostates even operate today in this nation. These men who had crept in unawares like terrorists, they are willing to give it all. They are willing to die for their cause. They are willing to give everything that they have. The tragedy of it all is that apostasy in the church 
which we'll see here, has done more damage in this nation than that of 2001. Matter of fact, the tragedy is, is that in 2001, after terrorism hit this nation, it seemed like the entire nation went on guard. The signups for people who were enlisting into the military, ready to fight, ready to go to war, to stand up for this great nation, was higher than it has ever been seen. Yet, in the same way, these people who have crept into the church unawares has not stirred about the same result in churches across America. The terrorism that has plagued the church today hasn't really caused people to stir up and to contend for the faith. Instead, what we have seen is people have fallen prey to the deceitfulness of these apostates, bringing a massive destruction to truth. These were men of old who were condemned to this condemnation we've seen. They were ungodly men. They were unholy men. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They denied the only Lord God, and they denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Jew said, likewise, also these filthy dreamers. <laughs> He's not done speaking of their sin. He's not done speaking of their nature about what it really means for these people who are at, at, at really an all-on offense against truth, against God, against his word, his connection to the previous verses bring to this light, just like Israel, just like the fallen angels, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. These men crept in unaware, and you know what? Just like all those people that we read about, those three examples, these men who were reading about the Judas speaking of, they too have ungodly affections. They too have ungodly attributes. Un they have ungodly marks. They have ungodly desires. And the first way it is manifested in them was by the proclamation of their filthy dreams. Now, it's very important for us to understand what Jude is saying here. We, we understand that all authority in this world comes from God. The authority in the church comes from God. The authority that we have in the home it comes from God. The authority in the state comes from God. Remember what Romans chapter 13 says in the first two verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves to damnation. And so we know this, that those who exercise authority, they have first found themselves under authority. Because the reason they are in authority is because of God. Now, for the believer, we, we show accountability to God. We show that we are under authority by living out his word. We show that. That's, that's how we are seen different from the world because we live in accordance to God's word. But these filthy dreamers, you see, they're different. Remember, we are at war in Jude in the church. We're not talking about war in the world. 
So then we bring ourselves to this crossroad that Jude is trying to highlight to, to further show us the nature of these dreamers. How do these filthy dreamers come into the church and find themselves in a place of authority in the church and persuade the church to follow them by their filthy dreams? You see what's even going on even today in this nation is that we see through the wealth and prosperity gospel, through this new movement of people who proclaim to be churches, they carry around the word of God. But what do they do? How do they assume authority in the church? I watched a video by Kenneth Copeland just the other day talking about his dreams and his visions that God has given him. You see, what he has done with his followers, he has convinced his followers to follow him, even though his visions and dreams don't align with scriptures, because God has sent him visions and dreams that superseded scriptures. And so they have drawn men away from the truth of the word of God. And so they have drawn their eyes away from this. And so we begin to see here what Jude is pointing out. These filthy dreamers, they have crept into the church unaware. When they first came in, they didn't argue against the word of God. When they first came in, they agreed. We've seen that even when he proclaimed, uh, explained them in verse 4 and 5. That verb that's used there was the verb that said, He came alongside them and labored with them, yet all the more. As time progressed, these filthy dreamers began to say, I've received a vision from God. I have had a dream. This is what God has told me. Follow after me. And these dreams was meant to suffice their own flesh. These dreams was meant to suffice their own desires. Remember, they took the grace of God and turned it into lasciviousness. They feasted, their dreams were focused around their desires. And as long as they proclaimed that they had these dreams and visions, they did not hold themselves to the truth of God's word. They have anchored themselves, even like the book of Joel says, that in these days, which is the days of the tribulation, young men will dream dreams and these things that will happen. These are events that I believe in truth are yet to even come, but they are not yet here now. Yet these men, they use their time in this to proclaim that they're having dreams they're having visions. Follow after me. God has granted me this ability. This is not what we sent from Benny Hinn. God has given me the dream, this vision, that I've had the power to heal people. Yet he won't go to Good Samaritan Hospital. Yet he won't go to Christ. Yet he won't go any of these places. Yet it costs you a fortune to get in his event. Yet it costs you money to get his healing water. Yet it costs all these things. Yet he proclaims to be this prophetic healer. What is wrong? They've taken the grace of God and turned it into something to meet their own desires. Well, how do they make this say that they have this authority? Through their filthy dreams. These filthy dreamers that we see here, they, what does he say even more? Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Notice what it says there. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh. 
Notice what it does not say. These filthy dreamers defile their flesh. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh. The war that is set out in the church through these apostates, through their filthy dreams, they have set out to preach a gospel that is not true, which has allowed people to defile the flesh in the house of God. Do we not see it even today? We, we spoke about this several weeks ago about these people who get in the pulpit and what do they say? They say homosexuality is okay. They say that there's no such thing as, you know, marriage is not as important as you think it is. God wants you to be free. God wants you to live and live and enjoy this life. This is all yours. Do whatever as you please. This is why he's put you here. And so it is these apostates who've taken the word of God and turned it. They've not only through their filthy dreams turned the word of God in something that benefits them, but they've taken the word of God and used it to preach to others in a false pretense and caused others to defile their flesh in their apostasy. They defile the flesh of those that follow them. Preaching that homosexuality is okay, that it's okay to express yourself. They're not in the world. That's not the problem. Jude says they're in the sacred pulpit. They're preaching their lies from the pulpit behind the sacred desk. They love attention, not truth. And so it is. When they are confronted with truth, it angers them. Have you ever seen that? Someone who is so saturated, living in their sin, loving their sin, giving themselves to their sin. And when they are confronted with truth, they are angry. They not only become angry with the word that you read with them, they're angry with the messenger that gave them the word. Jude says that's exactly where these people were. In verse 8, these filthy dreamers, they defiled the flesh. But why else? What else? They despise the dominion. You see, when you take these apostates to truth, they become angry. Why? Because they despise government. They despise the thought process that something or someone would rule over them. They despise the lordship of Jesus Christ. They despise the thought process that the word of God would be that which governed them. They despise this dominion. They hate that power is over them. They would hate that they even have to submit to this very book. They had become so lifted up, Jude says, that not only did they defile their flesh, not only did these filthy dreamers defile their flesh, not only did they despise dominion, meaning the lordship of Jesus Christ, but they began to be so lifted up with them inside themselves that they began to speak evil of dignities. Now, this verse plays right into the very next verse. These dreamers, these men who had lifted themselves up in the church through their dreams, had exalted themselves up so much that they had thought that they had proclaimed themselves to have so much clout that they began to 
literally speak against heaven. These words here, dignities, is often used for angels. He, they had set their mouths against heaven. They had set their mouths against angels. And as Jude, in true fashion, as he always does, he gives us the problem with these apostates, and then he gives us further examples of why this is such a bad idea. He goes on in verse 9 to say, and say, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Despising authority, that's a dangerous place to be. And that's a dangerous thing to do. But Jude wants to take it even a step further. You know, it's one thing to despise your boss, if you could put it in this way. But it's a whole other thing when you're within the company and you start speaking against your boss to other employees you're going to find yourself in hot trouble. So Jude says about these apostates, it's one of thing, it's one thing to as he says in the end of verse 8 to to you know to despise dominion, but it's a whole another thing to speak evil, evil of dignity. It's a whole another thing to speak out against God and against the angels in heaven. It's dangerous to live like you are the authority, that you're the sole influence of others to defile the flesh. But it is so much more dangerous to speak against the authority that God has established. Now, again, here he gives us an account that's recorded nowhere else in Scripture. When we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verses 5 through 6, the Bible makes it clear that when God uh, wanted Moses to be buried, he wanted him to be buried in a place where nobody else knew. Away in a secret place. Yet, here what we find ourselves that God had assigned this task of burying Moses to Michael the archangel. And yet, while Michael the archangel was burying Moses, it says that um, Satan contended for the body of Moses. You know, it is amazing that in 25 verses of Jude, that's the entire makeup, and yet you can find yourselves in so many different rabbit holes if you veer away from the point that Jude is continuously trying to drive home. You know, even last week after I preached, it was a fun week uh, headed into last weekend because of all of the debates I sparked with the message that I preached last weekend. I love studying the Word of God. And when you preach the Word of God and you say, hey, you know what? If it causes you to go home and study it, hallelujah. That's what this is all about. Even furthermore, there are many people who take this specific verse and say, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Well, where is this written anywhere else in Scripture? Well, it's not. So then people say, well, there is an older recording prior to the time of Jude being written in the Assumption of Moses. There's this book written called the Assumption of Moses. And there it was recorded that this is where the Bible says that, or they say the Bible says that Michael the archangel contended for the body of Moses. 
When did this truth come about? You know, I think it's the same thing that we face even in the 14th verse of the book of, or in the 14th verse of Jude, when he references Enoch and his prophecy. I don't know how this was passed down. Clearly, at some point and some time through history, through the Lord revealing this to the people, it was known that Michael contended with Satan over the body of Moses. But what's important here is that these extra biblical texts, it doesn't mean they're a part of the canon. You can sit back. When I read these things, even last week when I referenced these things, the, the, the Enoch, the book of Enoch and all these things, let me rephrase this and restructure this to drive this fact home. I believe without a doubt that we have the complete word of God. We're not missing anything, not one verse, not one jot, not one tittle. Now, I think there are other well-welcomed historical books that can provide a historical mindset and a thought process of times in scriptures. But I don't think we're lacking in any reference at all. Matter of fact, let me even further bring this home. That, that people love to hound on Jude. And while I love to go to those other places and reference them, there are many times where we read about accounts in the Old Testament, and yet we don't read the whole account until we see it in the New Testament. Perfect example of this. Remember in, when Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. Paul is writing to Timothy and encouraging Timothy, this son in the faith. And yet, what does he do? He begins to tell Timothy about Janus and Jambres, who withstood Moses on behalf of Pharaoh, these magicians. What is that? Where do you read about that in the Old Testament? You don't. But clearly... <laughs> Clearly, it was revealed here in the New Testament even further. We talked about last week about Lot. Down in Genesis chapter 19, we said, how wicked is this guy? How vile is this guy? Right? Even willing to give up his own daughters to prevent these, this wickedness of becoming upon these angels. Yet, what do we find by the time we read it to 2 Peter? We get to 2 Peter and we find out righteous Lot was vexed every day in Sodom and Gomorrah. Time and time throughout the Old Testament, we see part of the story that is completed in the New Testament. It doesn't mean we have to, to reach out to other books as resources to validate Scripture. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the final author of Scripture. The, the Lord is the final author. So when we read this, I, many commentaries, not to take us down a rabbit hole, uh, went back and forth in great debate where this fact came from. It came from the Lord. That's where it came from. Now, how did the assumption of Moses have it that was written before Jude? I don't care. Where did this come from? The Jew wrote that? Well, it came from the Lord. Whether it was common knowledge amongst the Jews, well, I don't know. I wasn't there. But what we have here, so going back to our text here, getting away from the rabbit hole, Michael the archangel contended with Satan for the body of Moses. Where does this leave us? What is Jude trying to say to us? 
The point is this, that Michael the archangel, Michael the archangel did not rebuke Satan even though he was fallen. Right? Even up to this point, Satan had been described as the serpent. He'd been described as the devil, the evil one, the tattered remnant of a former greatness of glory. But even in that, Michael the archangel recognized that Satan wielded great, enormous power. He's now warped, he's bent, he's filled with pride, rage, envy, hatred for the human race. He still believes he can win, and he tends on fighting. Yet, when Michael contended with Satan, that last part of the verse says, he durst not bring against him a railing accusation but said, the Lord rebuked thee. This railing meaning abuse and slander, even more. Those words durst not. He said, it means he didn't even dare. So Michael the archangel, even though Satan was this fallen, evil, wicked one, Michael the archangel didn't even dare to bring a slander or accusation against Satan. He said, the Lord's going to rebuke thee. Why is that so important? Well, because of what he said in verse 8. They speak evil of dignities. Michael, this archangel, matter of fact, God had mightily used Michael all throughout history. It's amazing to me when you get into Daniel chapter 12, and as you're reading through Daniel chapter 12, it might be 8, eight or 12, one of the two. The Bible says that God sent uh, Michael the archangel to help Daniel. But for 21 days, he warred against the prince of Persia before he could finally get the message to Daniel that God has sent him to deliver. This angel had power. He was an angel who seemed to be trusted by God, and yet he respected authority. And yet these apostates, they had no respect for authority. They had no respect for dignity. And even today we see this in the health and wealth prosperity gospel, do we not? These people foolishly on TV saying, I bind you, Satan, you do no such thing. They proclaim to, they sentence judgment. I watched a man today who sentenced judgment upon Satan. Are you so foolish? Even this powerful angel said, the Lord is going to handle you. But these apostates who lifted themselves up, these filthy dreamers in their own foolish pride said, the Lord rebuked or the, these full, in their own filthy pride, they pronounce judgment. Michael behaved wisely, this archangel, the one high prince of heaven. And by the way, I love this, and don't miss this. You know, I used to love this as a kid with my brothers and sisters. I walk into the bedroom, and I say, clean the room. You ain't telling me what to do. I said clean the room. I'm not cleaning the room. You clean the room. Then I go back to my mom like, they said they ain't cleaning the room. Well, then my mom jumped up and run in the room like, what? You ain't cleaning the room? And they was like, 
did you tell us to? Yeah, I told you to. Well, Danny never told us that. You know, that was kind of fun for me. I didn't let out that I was on a commission from my mom. Notice this. Michael, the archangel, went contending with the devil. He disputed about the body of Moses. Listen, even in the place of authority, even when the reality came that he, Michael was on a divine commission from God to go handle this matter, he still didn't offer slander or railings against Satan. You know, this brings us to a place of where we have to realize about how we handle things, people, and the things even in our life. How we offer railings and how we handle people who have seemed to, seemed to fall and make mistakes. He confronted the author of evil. Michael the archangel did. And instead of speaking ill, he refrained and left it to the Lord. If the archangel wouldn't do it, he, then we can't do it. And then it tells us even more how much more these apostates are out of order. And it tells us how much more, the, like I said, the health and wealth prosperity is out of order today. Charging Satan, binding Satan, pronouncing judgment, not only the devil, but his followers. It kind of reminds me of in the New Testament when we read about the seven sons of Sceva. When they were facing those demons, they said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but we don't know who you are. Them men barely escaped with their lives, tattered, beaten. These men have claimed to have power and authority to behave in a manner that not even the archangel would. Notice here what he says in verse 10 about how intelligent they are, about how wise these apostates are. He said, but these speak evil of things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast. In those things, they corrupt themselves. The final thought about the nature of these apostates. He said, here's my final thought. They are ignorant of all spiritual things. They're just completely ignorant. With the things that they speak evil of, they don't even know nothing about. You know, here they are. They've proclaimed themselves to be something within the church. It really brings Romans 1 to light, doesn't it? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Here we are, wise, speaking evil of dignities, saying they're having these dreams, professing themselves to be all of these things. And he really says they are brute beasts. They are just dumb animals living upon their own natural instincts, roaming about, devouring that which they desire for their own flesh, not operating, operating with any further intellect. By the time we get to the 21st verse, I think in the 22nd verse of Jude, Jude says about these men that they are void. They are without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is their problem. That's why they operate in this manner. They are wolves in sheep clothing. They are angel of darkness transforming themselves into the angel of light. They are careful at first when they enter the classroom, but after they have the classroom's attention, they are altogether horrible. They speak evil of dignities. They speak evil of which they do not know. In summary, they are ignorant blasphemers. 
who have the intelligence of beasts. Yet, they could be polished in their speech. Yet, they could have a PhD. Yet, they could have a million dollar smile. Yet, they could have all the things that attract the world's view and still be altogether ignorant of truth. Now, when we come back next week, Lord willing, Jude likes to work in threes. He gives us three examples. And then he gives us three. Now in verse 11, he's going to give us three more things about these people. He said, woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor, which is the Korah. The sons of Korah who had that rebellion and whom the Lord swallowed up in the earth. Woe unto them. He is preparing to renounce judgment upon them and remind them, even these people who rebelled against the Lord, he's going to take us right back down this road again. God is faithful to judge sin. God is faithful to judge those who not only in the sense of angels and not in the sense of the people, the children of Israel, not only in the sense of Sodom and Gomorrah, who commit physical acts against God. Jude says, let me tell you more. God is going to be faithful to judge those who speak against him. He's going to be faithful to judge the apostasy of those who lift up their mouth against him, even in their own ignorance. They believe they're right and they're wrong. They ordained of old to this coming judgment. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity again to study in your word, Lord. I pray that you will enlighten our eyes, Lord, to the reality of this world in which we live. May we not be blind, Lord, to more than just the reality when we say when someone preaches something on TV, we say, well, that's not true. But maybe really realize, Lord, that truth is under attack, that apostasy is running rampant, that terrorists have crept in unaware, Lord, and that they have brought destruction to the truth of your word, not to the destruction of its power, but to the hearer. They have preached a false truth condemning people to hell. Lord, I recognize, Lord, and I pray that you'll help us preach your word, Lord. Lift up your truth. May people hear this word, uh, this word that convicts, this word that calls the sinner to repentance. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.